48K News. It's one o'clock, I'm Robert Kemp. The headlines, Executive Council Ronnie Tong says the setting up of any panel to review sentencing guidelines would be a very dangerous move. Pro-Beijing legislator and lawyer Junius Ho will reportedly be summoned to attend a hearing by the Solicitor's Disciplinary Tribunal in London. And sources say the government will add Britain to a list of high-risk countries where travellers must show proof of a negative COVID-19 test. Executive Councillor and Barrister Ronnie Tong says setting up a panel to review sentencing guidelines would be a very dangerous move. Lawmakers Holden Chow, the vice chairman of the biggest pro-Beijing party here, DAB, has called for such a panel, saying the sentencing of some anti-government protesters has been too lenient. Mr Tong said the result could be political pressure on the judiciary. I think this is uh, very dangerous because uh, it, is, it can easily turn into uh, a political pressure to be brought to bear on judges uh, affecting their independence. I think it is the function of the court, in particular the Court of Appeal, to set down the relevant tariff uh, as to uh, what punishment should be applied to what cases. And I think we should make more use of this uh, avenue to set a well-known tariff uh, as to what kind of punishment uh, should be handed out in relation to a particular kind of cases. Mr Tong said a statement from Chief Justice Geoffrey Ma yesterday that condemned attacks on the judiciary was unusual, but served as a timely reminder for the role of the courts. Our community need to understand that the courts are not here to adjudicate on political disputes. I fear that recently a lot of people are simply looking at the results of certain cases and then attribute the results, which obviously they're unhappy about, to the political background of the particular judge or the system. I think that is quite wrong and I think indeed very dangerous in these times when I think internationally a lot of people are looking at Hong Kong under a microscope to see whether or not we can still maintain our judicial independence. Pro-Beijing legislator and lawyer Junius Ho will reportedly be summoned to attend a hearing by the Solicitor's Disciplinary Tribunal in London, which will decide whether to strike him from the UK register for alleged misconduct. Hong Kong Watch activist Luke de Pulford said on his Twitter that he had been campaigning for the move for months, saying people who encourage authoritarianism have no place practising law in the UK. Mr Pulford also posted an email from the tribunal which said Mr Ho had a case to answer and a hearing had been arranged for for mid-December. RTHK has contacted Mr Ho for comment. Former foreign correspondent Keith Richberg says the new police policy to recognise only government-accredited journalists is a way for authorities to control what's being reported. The head of the University of Hong Kong's Journalism and Media Studies Centre says during the past 18 months of anti-government protests, the government and the police on the ground lost control of the narrative because there were so many journalists recording what they were doing. The new policy means freelance or student journalists or those from non-mainstream media may not get accredited. Mr Richburg says he's told his students that they have to fight for a free press. Generally for our journalism students, what I tell them is full steam ahead. You know, we're not changing anything. You know, we're doing exactly what we're supposed to do, holding them accountable. A free press isn't free. <laughs> you have to fight for it. And you have to stay out there. You have to keep pushing the lines. The biggest problem I tell journalists in Hong Kong, as well as student journalists, is the biggest problem will be if you start setting red lines in your head, if you start self-censoring. 
Meanwhile, eight media groups have accused the police of misleading the public over the benefits of the force's decision to only recognise government-registered media. At a press conference, their representative spoke of how the new arrangement would actually restrict news gathering, even in a cordoned-off area. They also rejected police claims of fake journalists, saying the force had never backed up its stance. The chairman of the Hong Kong Journalists Association, Chris Young, accused the police of treating the media as their enemy. You cannot even challenge and raise questions, say, in public places, because by doing so, you may run the risk of, say, being uncooperative or, say, obstructing the work of police officers. The HKGA says it is still seeking legal advice on the changes and it would not rule out the possibility of launching a judicial review. Sources say the government will add Britain to a list of high-risk countries where travellers must show proof of a negative COVID-19 test within 72 hours of boarding a flight to Hong Kong. They must also have a hotel booking for 14 days here for their quarantine. It's understood the restriction will take effect on Thursday next week. Passengers from 10 countries, including India, the Philippines, the United States, are already subject to these rules. Tourism professor says Hong Kong Disneyland still has a bright future despite potential expansion plans being torpedoed. Yesterday, the government decided not to extend an option for Disney to buy a 60-hectare site next to the park. But Professor Brian King from the Polytechnic University School of Hotel and Tourism Management said the park could still do a lot more within its boundaries. He said although park visitation numbers peaked in 2014, Disney's location in the Greater Bay Area brought unfulfilled potential. GBA infrastructure, the fast rail and the bridge offer some unfulfilled potential. And I think with theme parks, they've always got to reinvent themselves. And Disney has done that. You know, it is certainly the smallest of the parks globally, but they've brought in new rides, new themes. So, no, I think the future for Disney as a kind of premium tourism experience is still pretty bright. Police have arrested a 23-year-old man and his 49-year-old mother for allegedly possessing weapons. Officers raided the family's flat in Seung Soi in the early hours of the morning after receiving intelligence of gun parts being sold on social media. Police claim they found a pepperball gun, three suspected air guns, an extendable baton, two sabres, a bulletproof jacket and 15 gas masks. The South Korean Defence Ministry says North Korean forces have shot dead a fisheries official from the South who disappeared off a patrol vessel. In a statement, it said it had intelligence that he'd ended up in northern waters when he was fired upon. Two police officers have been shot and injured in the U.S. city of Louisville during protests that followed a decision not to prosecute two of three officers involved in the fatal shooting of a black woman, Breonna Taylor. Robert Schroeder is the Louisville chief of police. At about 8.30 tonight, our officers were called to the area of Brooklyn College on a large crowd and shots fired in the area. As they were deploying to investigate what was going on, at first in Broadway, shots rang out and two of our officers were shot. Thousands of angry protesters have occupied the streets calling for justice in defiance of a curfew. Kentucky's Attorney General said the police's use of force in a botched drugs raid had been justified. Cuba's president, Miguel Diaz-Carnel, has condemned as cruel and criminal the latest sanctions imposed by the United States. He said they violated the rights of both Cuban and U.S. citizens. President Trump announced the sanctions as he seeks to secure Cuban-American votes in Florida ahead of November's election. He spoke at, the, at an event for Bay of Pigs veterans. 
Today, as part of our continuing fight against communist oppression, I am announcing that the Treasury Department will prohibit U.S. travelers from staying at properties owned by the Cuban government. We're also further restricting the importation of Cuban alcohol and Cuban tobacco. America's most popular state, California, says it'll require all new vehicles to be zero emission by the year 2035. Its governor, Gavin Newsom, said sales of petrol-powered cars and trucks will be barred by that date. In the next 15 years, we will eliminate in the state of California the sales of internal combustion engines. We will move forward to green and decarbonize our vehicle fleet here in the state of California. As a consequence, substantially reducing greenhouse gas emissions as well as oxide nitrogen, meaning NOx emissions here in the state of California. The move conflicts with the policies of President Trump, who last week promised to prevent California from requiring the sale of electric vehicles. Astronomers have released reassessed images of the first black hole ever captured in a picture, showing its brightness flickers over time. They believe the imagery of the gigantic black hole in a galaxy called M87 reveals its ferocious gravitational pull devouring and shredding nearby objects. Dr. Ziri Yunsi is an astrophysicist at the University College London, whose team studied the black hole, which is 300 million trillion miles from Earth. In 2019, when we first published these images, there was barely any change from day to day. But what we've now seen, going all the way back to 2009, in particular looking at between uh, 2013 and 2017, that where the brightest spot is in the image is quite markedly different. So obviously stuff is moving around and it's really energetic. The French singer and actress Juliette Greco, whose songs charted the rebirth of France after World War II, has died. She was 93 and had a career spanning over half a century. Here's the BBC's Julian Bedford. Beautiful, intelligent and always dressed in black, Greco was a key part of the left bank scene and her songs the soundtrack to that era. She was a lover of the jazz legend Miles Davis, a drinking companion to Orson Welles and a close friend to Sartre. A member of the resistance, Greco was imprisoned by the Nazis aged just 15. On her release, she walked the 10 kilometres back to Paris, the city she was to call her spiritual home for the rest of her life. Australia's Westpac Bank has agreed to pay more than 900 million US dollars after acknowledging multiple breaches of money laundering laws. They included failing to monitor the accounts of a convicted child sex offender who was regularly sending money to the Philippines. Here's the BBC's Phil Mercer. Westpac was accused by investigators of 23 million breaches of money laundering and counter-terrorism financing laws. Australia's second largest bank was found to have allowed transactions that were potentially linked to child exploitation, despite being specifically warned of the risks. When approved by the federal court, the $920 million fine will be easily the biggest in Australian corporate history. Westpac has again apologised for its failings. Short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 23,281. That's 454 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $63 billion. Currencies, US dollars trading at 105.43 yen. Euro stands at 1 US dollar and 16 cents. The pound is worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 85 cents. Sport now, and here's Adam Chung.
We start with football. Barcelona's all-time third-leading scorer Luis Suarez has officially joined rivals Atletico Madrid. Today's announcement by Atletico puts an end to speculations that linked the 33-year-old with a move to Juventus. Since joining Barca from Liverpool in 2014, Suarez has won a host of trophies, including the 2015 Champions League and four La Liga titles, while playing as a sidekick to Lionel Messi. On the pitch, Arsenal are through to the last 16 of the English League Cup. They beat Leicester City 2-0. Chelsea pounded Barnsley 6-0 with Kai Havertz scoring a hat trick. There were also wins for Fulham, Burnley, Brighton, Everton, and Newcastle. Brazil's opening match in the 2022 World Cup qualifiers will be played behind closed doors after the Sao Paulo state government decided against having fans in the stadium. The announcement comes a day after the country's health ministry approved a proposal by the Brazilian Football Confederation that would allow stadiums to operate at up to 30% of their capacity. Brazil will face Bolivia in the South American qualifiers on October 9th before playing another match away to Peru four days later. The BBC's Tim Bickery says the qualifiers represent a crisis waiting to happen. Well, I don't think anyone else is really thinking too hard about having fans inside stadiums. I mean, the, the, the、uh, national leagues in Venezuela, Argentina, and Bolivia have yet to restart. But this、uh, th- this situation is about to go global because in two weeks' time we have the start of World Cup qualification. The players will be assembling from all over the world, and all of the the big star names are based in European club football. Will the European clubs be willing? To release their players, knowing that there's a risk that they're, they're, those players will come back, having been contaminated with the coronavirus. On the ice, captain Steven Stamkos provided a spark that lifted the Tampa Bay Lightning over the Dallas Stars in Game Three of the Stanley Cup Final. Stamkos returned to the lineup after missing seven months with injury and scored on his first shot. He played only five shifts, but it was enough to inspire Tampa to a convincing 5-2 win. They're now two wins away from their first championship title since 2004. And in basketball, Tyler Hero played the game of his life to put the Miami Heat one win away from reaching the NBA Finals. The 20-year-old set a franchise rookie record by scoring 37 points in a 112-109 victory over the Boston Celtics. Miami now lead the Eastern Conference Final by commanding three games to one. And that's your look at sports. And to end the news, the top story once again. Executive Councillor Ronnie Tong says the setting up of any panel to review sentencing guidelines will be a very dangerous move. The news from RTHK.
And welcome to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Thursday afternoon. Thursday, the twenty fourth of September is today's date. Many thanks to Phil Whelan for the morning brew. We have a jam packed program for you. Just after half past one, we'll be talking about the different types of psychotherapy with Dr. Eslyn Terragina, who's a psychologist and a psychotherapist with Mind Balance Hong Kong. Find out whether or not psychotherapy is the type of treatment for you to treat anxiety and uh, different types of disorders. And feel free to join us on the Facebook page as well. We'll be streaming our chats onto the Facebook Live. Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3 is the page to go to. And after the 2 o'clock news, Sadia Osmani will join us once again for our regular Thursday chinwag. And this week, Sadia will be talking about lookism, which is a prejudice or discrimination on the grounds of a person's appearance. And finally, after 2.30, uh, Andrew Dembina joins us for this week's artsing around and uh, we'll cross over live to blind spot gallery in Wong Chukang and we'll hear all about a painter who's just finished uh, spending a few months there as the, the artist in residence and if you're also watching this on Facebook live then you'll be able uh, to see some of her work as well our email address is 123show at